Hello, everybody. Welcome to tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. It's wonderful to be with you this evening as we look ahead to the sporting weekend. And we also, let me tell you, have a wonderful interview with a South African batting coach. Okay, don't laugh. I won't if you don't. But let's hear what he's got to say at the end of for the last 10 minutes or so of our show this evening. But let's first have a look at what's happened today. And uh, South Africa's 12th man called Rain came to their aid today, washed out the third day's play. First time in the series, we've gone past three days in a test match. And uh, I guess Usman Khawaja is the only man that's disappointed with regards to the fact that Rain washed out the third day's play. He's on 195, not out, and I'm sure he will be wanting to get to that double hundred. Never got one in test cricket. He's had two hundreds in a row now, or three, in fact, in the last test match against England at the Ashes series in Sydney last year. He uh, got a hundred in the first and second innings, and this is the next time that he's played a test match there. And he's also got what is going to hopefully for him be a double hundred. But the uh, rain washing out the day's play in Sydney, it was uh, raining and pouring almost the whole day. It was persistent throughout the day, and uh, the umpires eventually decided no play. 4.75 before uh, they will resume tomorrow. Now, the third day is normally the annual pink day in honour of the late Jane McGrath, the wife of former fast bowler Glenn McGrath, and the McGrath Foundation raises money in her honour to raise awareness of breast cancer for the prevention and treatment of the disease, but uh, it might have Laid the start of the day, or at least the whole day, but it hasn't dampened the spirits of the fans who came in pink. Unfortunately for them, they didn't see any cricket at all. So uh, we will hopefully get played tomorrow, which will be on the uh, fourth day of the Test match, and South Africa will be hoping to not be bowled out in two days. Uh, they'll want to bat for as long as they possibly can to try and avoid a whitewash in Australia, which would not be something that would go down very well among South African fans in the country. So uh, we will, of course, be hoping to get into action tomorrow morning early. That would be nice indeed. As far as the uh, other matches are concerned, we will update you later on on what's going on in the uh, Pakistan-New Zealand situation there. And I can tell you that Shafraz Ahmed's on 118 not out, and they're looking with two wickets in hand. They're still chasing 37 runs to win. We'll update you as that one goes along. The other major events of the weekend, of course, will be the rugby. And uh, there's lots of pressure on the South African teams who are in Europe. It's a different kind of pressure, but pressure nonetheless for the four South African-based teams. The crucial phase of the Vodacom United Rugby Championship. Uh, they're in the Northern Hemisphere. The intensity of the festive derbies behind them, the two teams that lost, uh, the Bulls and the Lions, face uh, more pressure to get their uh, games back on track. Neither team so much got as a bo even a bonus point in the two games they played at the coast over Christmas and New Year, which must leave them wondering if it was worth the sacrifice of being away from their families at the uh, festive time of the year. The reality is that the URC and Heineken Cup champions are starting to bite for all the local teams, particularly the two inland franchises spent most of the time away at festive weekends and now find themselves in another hemisphere. But for the Sharks and the Stormers, they were home over the Christmas and New Year period, even though for the Lions, I think it was, got on a plane to get out of Cape Town on New Year's Eve to get home in time for the Bulls to get home from Durban in time for their rest of seasons. But 
The crowd certainly came out, particularly at the Cape Town Stadium. Big crowds indeed. Over 31,000 at the game in Cape Town and then 40,000 or more at the DHL Stadium for what was a rematch of the final last year. That was the Christmas Eve game against the Bulls. So tonight, at 25 to 10, it's Munster against the Lions. The Lions lost their mojo when they toured in September and October and desperately need to gain its uh, for their quest for a place in the Heineken Championship next year. Uh, they faced a difficult obstacle in a Munster team that has shown great resurgence of form since their early season mishaps. The hosts are still ninth, meaning outside of the playoff placings, as well as Champions Cup placings, so they need to win as much as the Lions do. Now, the Dragons play the Bulls tonight also in Newport. The Bulls have lost three in a row now, if you add their away defeat to the Chiefs in the Champions Cup and their derby defeats to Stormers and Sharks. And those losses, the three defeats, perhaps being more concerning than the fact that they lost. Both the derby losses were significant enough margins to deny them even a bonus point across the two festive season matches. And my understanding is that Coach Jake White has been sick with flu the whole week. Now, you wouldn't back against uh, Bulls. The Dragons have been competitive at home this season, but the Bulls, uh, with a short turnaround from the Durban game, coupled with a long flight to Wales via Doha that ended with a bus journey, uh, has perhaps given them less of a chance tonight. But I still think the Bulls will come out as victors in uh, that one. Now, Connaught's play the Sharks tomorrow night at quarter past seven, and they've left their top players and head coach behind in Durban to prepare for next week's championship game against Bordeaux. They could struggle at a venue that's difficult for visiting teams. The weather says there's a 70% chance of rain and a 40-kilometer-an-hour wind expected, so a normal day in Galway, uh, one that the Sharks might not enjoy too much. And then the Glasgow Warriors on Sunday evening at 5 o'clock play the Stormers. They've opened a healthy gap on the chasing back in the South African Conference as they look to retain the shield they won as their first step to overall triumph in last year's inaugural version of the URC. Tough games against Ulster, Leinster and the Bulls, plus a trip to Durban to come later in the competition. So good wins over the Bulls and Emirates Lions in the last weeks of last year. If the storm is a tiny bit of breathing space. But John Dobson, the coach, feels his team will have room to manage players and selections a bit better if they get a good win against Glasgow, a team they quite comprehensively beat at DHL Stadium in Cape Town last season. Won't be easy, though. Defeat wouldn't cost the Stormers their place at the top of the shield, but a win will be a good gap for them in terms of the uh, log situation. So... The Stormers have kept to a minimum the number of changes they've had to make in the competition. They clearly uh, are looking at the long-term prospects rather than the short-term prospects. So let's uh, have a look at the rugby fixtures comprehensively over the next uh, three days or so. Saracens against the Falcons. That's tonight. Then tonight in the United Rugby Championship, the Dragons play the Bulls. And Munster play the Lions. Tomorrow, Benetton play Ulster. Edinburgh play Zebra. Connaught play Sharks. Cardiff play Finethley Scarlets. And Ospreys play Leinster. Then it's the Chiefs against the Saints in the Gallagher Championship. The Union Bordeaux play Aviron Boyonnais. Clermont play Papillon. Brief play Toulon. Palois play Lyon. Start Francais play Castre Olympique. La Rochelle play Start Toulon. In Sunday's United Rugby Championship, the Glasgow Warriors play the Stormers at 5 o'clock. In the Gallagher Premiership, it's the Harlequins against the Sale Sharks, London Irish against the Bristol Bears. And uh, in the Montpellier Herald, a racing 92 game in the top 
14. So tennis action, there's lots of that going on at the moment. So I can update you with regards to the events that are going on leading up, of course, to the Australian Open, which comes up very, very shortly. And uh, Novak Djokovic has been in action over the last couple of days and also been in the news as Djokovic due to the fact uh, that uh, he has got a problem with playing a couple of tournaments in America because he hasn't been vaccinated. But before we get to that, Igor Swiatek was left in tears. Jessica Pagula beat the world number one uh, with Greece's sixth rank Maria Safari crashing defeat in the semi-finals of the inaugural United Cup. Less than two weeks before the Aussie Open, Poland Swiatek had no answers to the Americans' powerful serve and her good return. She lost 6-2-6-2 in 71 minutes in Sydney. She said she played a perfect match and it was pretty hard for her to find any way to come back because she didn't really do that, said Swiatek. With the roof closed at the Ken Roseville Arena on a rainy day in Sydney, Swiatek lost opening seven points and never recovered from that. So uh, she unfortunately was very disappointed in her performance today. Now, the United States will meet Poland. Greece play Italy. Francis Tifol got past Dan Evans into the semifinals. And Poland and Greece also advanced through the course of the week. The three countries who won their city finals to progress into the last four with Italy, the runners-up with the best record in the $15 million event, which replaced the short-lived ATP Cup to open the season. It has been very interesting indeed, this new tournament. And uh, I wonder if it's going to go forward. Played in two different places, in Sydney and Perth. And the uh, final's now coming to Sydney. So interesting the way they have put this uh, tournament together over the last couple of uh, weeks. And uh, the men in action there as well, leading up, of course, to the uh, Australian Open. Now, talking about the Australian Open, we'll turn our attention now briefly to a former winner of the Australian Open, retired champion Ash Barty says that she is pregnant. Good on her. 12 months on from her triumph at Melbourne Park. Three-time Grand Slam champion. She married her longtime partner, Gary Kissick, last year. And in an Instagram post today, she said it's the biggest year yet, 2023, a picture of her dog alongside a pair of baby shoes. Well done. The former world number one called time in her career last March, shortly after she ended her country's 44-year wait for a home champion at the Australian Open. Now, Ash Barty is not just a very fine tennis player. She also played professional cricket, as well as a couple of other sports under her belt. But she decided enough was enough, and she retired from tennis. Just a reminder, don't go away, because in a short while's time, we will be having a listen to the post-days interview with the South African batting coach down under in uh, Australia. We'll have a chance to have a listen to that. Uh, Now, Nick Kyrgios is expected to be fit for the Australian Open, despite having pulled out of a warm-up tournament. He's also withdrawn from next week's Adelaide International with an ankle injury. The 22nd-ranked player in the world and runner-up at last year's Wimbledon has already missed the United Cup. And we'll go into the Aussie Open, which starts on the 16th of this month, having not played singles since the ATP event in Tokyo in October last year. That's a long time ago for Nick Kyrgios to be out of tennis. Now, The football this weekend is not in the Premier League. That is because it is the FA Cup, the oldest 
the running longest, oldest and longest running football tournament in the world. That is the FA Cup for you. And it starts tonight with a very interesting clash. In fact, there are quite a few interesting clashes, which during the third round puts the teams from the Premier League into for the first time to the draw after teams have gone through many, many rounds of uh, football to get to where they are right now. And the first match of the third round is at 10 o'clock tonight. And uh, two teams, one riding the crest of a wave at the moment, a couple of, in fact, five wins of the last six, and I think nine of the last 10 in all competitions, Manchester United and Everton, who I'm afraid are not having a good time at the moment. Everton have won just one of their last 29 away games against Manchester United in all competitions. A 1-0 win in December 2013 was the last time that they won. It's their first away game against United in the FA Cup since a 1-0 loss in the 82-83 quarter final. Now, Manchester United have only been eliminated from two of their last 37 FA Cup third-round ties. Both defeats in that run did come at Old Trafford, though, against Leeds in the 29-10 season and the 2013-14 season against Swansea. Everton have progressed from 10 of their last 14 FA Cup third-round ties. However, all four eliminations in that run have been in there, only four such meeting fellow Premier League opponents. Now, Frank Lampard is under huge pressure at the moment at Everton because of the fact that he has really had a really poor string of results in the last couple of matches. Now, it's the 13th time these two teams will meet in the FA Cup. Each side's progressed six times previously. It's the first ever third-round meeting between the sides. The earliest they've faced each other since the second round in 1908-1909. So that's the first game of the, the teams involved in the FA Cup that are from the Premier League. Let's have a look at the games tomorrow. Top is two South African time. It's Preston against Huddersfield, Reading against Watford, Spurs against Portsmouth, Gillingham against Leicester City. That, of course, is the Premier League Leicester City. Forest Green against Birmingham. Okay, it's the first ever meeting between the two. Forest Green's only previous FA Cup tie against a side from the top two tiers was when they lost to Derby County in 2008-2009. It's Forest Green's third appearance in the FA Cup third round and first as a football league side. They lost against Derby. Birmingham have fallen third round of the FA Cup on a number of occasions. Forest Green's Connor Wickham has scored three goals in his two FA Cup appearances. Now, this is the romance of this tournament where teams like Forest Green can come into it. Now, another full Premier League class is Crystal Palace play Southampton. Fulham from the Premier League play Hull City. Middlesbrough play Brighton. It's going to be a crackerjack game, that one. Fleetwood play Queen's Park Rangers. Yeah, Fleetwood, the first ever competitive meeting between Fleetwood Town and Queen's Park Rangers. Fleetwood have lost all three of their FA Cup ties against sides in the top two divisions. They lost to Leicester most recently in the 2017-2018 competition. Another name comes to light. Now, this is the game that uh, is very interesting indeed. Borham Wood against Accrington Stanley. It is the first ever meeting between the two sides in the FA Cup proper. Accrington Stanley have already eliminated a non-league side in the season's FA Cup, winning 1-0 against Barnett. Uh, in the last round, they last went out against non-league opponents in the 17-18 season. They lost to pen on penalties to Gursley. Now, Borham would have reached the FA Cup fifth round 
That's last season. They could become the first non-league team to progress from the FA Cup third round in consecutive seasons since Telford United way back in 1983. Accrington are looking to reach the fourth round for only the fourth time in their history, 2009 and 10, 2016, 17, and then 18, 19. Since the start of last season, non-league, Borham would have kept five clean sheets in the FA Cup proper, two more than any other side in that time. So that's a really romantic tie indeed. Some of the other ties to look at, Coventry play Wrexham, Luton Town play Wigan, Grimsby play Burton, Sheffield Wednesday play Newcastle. That could be a surprise there. And then another Premier or Premier League clash, two sides that are not doing so great. Liverpool against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Liverpool have eliminated five of their seven FA Cup ties against Wolves, including two under Jurgen Klopp. Their last win over them was in the competition in February 1952. Wolves have lost 11 of their last 13 games against Liverpool in all competitions, though. Liverpool, of course, are the holders of the FA Cup, beaten Chelsea on penalties in last year's final. They've gone out in the third round in four of their last seven seasons as holders, most recently in 2006-07 when they lost 3-1 at home to Arsenal. Other matches, Cardiff play Leeds, Stockport play Walsall, Hartlepool play Stoke City, Norwich play Blackburn, Aston Villa play Stevenage, Oxford United on Monday night play Arsenal. And then arguably the clash of the weekend is the one that is a repeat of last night's league match. It's amazing how that happens. They play matches in the league. They've drawn then in the FA Cup. Manchester City and Chelsea. Last night, Manchester City won by a goal to nil. It might be a different uh, situation in the FA Cup because it's all to play for. Lots of action expected, I guess. Chelsea, though, have lost five of their last six away matches against Manchester City in all competitions. Their one win in that time was in May 2021 in the Premier League under Thomas Tuchel. Now, it's the eighth meeting between Man City and Chelsea in the FA Cup. City have won four. The Blues have won three of those ties, including each of the last two. A 5-1 victory in the fifth round in 2015-16 and a 1-0 victory in the 2020-21 semi-final. Chelsea running off a really bad run at the moment. This could be the second consecutive season that Chelsea are knocked out of both the League Cup and FA Cup by the same team, losing in the final of both competitions to Liverpool in 2021-22. Chelsea have progressed from each of their last 24 FA Cup third-round ties, stretching back to the 1998-99 season. It's the joint longest run of progressions from the third round, along with Manchester United, although the Red Devils did not take part in the 1999 campaign after withdrawing to take part in the FIFA Club World Championship. So that is arguably for me the pick of the matches. There should be a crackerjack game between Manchester City and Chelsea. That is the majority of the main sporting fixtures that we have coming up over the weekend. It promises to be an incredible, incredible day and night and then into Sunday as well of FA Cup action. It's always wonderful, wonderful to see how the teams come into this competition, especially the uh, teams that are non-league and lower leagues up against the big guns. Right, let's uh, turn our attention now as we close off tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. The Proteas have had a really poor tour down under. They've lost the three-match test series 2-0. They're in the ongoing Sydney test, which has been affected by the rain. And then after the, well, there wasn't really play today, but after the day's play, if you like, when it was called off, 
The South African batting coach, Justin Sammons, was in the hot seat with the journalists who are covering the, the team. Now, let's just tell you a little bit about him. He's the current batting consultant for the Proteas in Test One Day International and T20. He is currently touring with the South African Test team. He was never capped at first class or list A level. He played competitive cricket for the Alberton Cricket Club in Gauteng. He played club cricket in the Netherlands. He joined the Proteus coaching staff in 2021 ahead of the tour of Sri Lanka. He did stay with the team during the T20 World Cup in the same year and has worked with the Proteus since then. As far as his coaching career is concerned, um, he coached the Josie Stars in the 2018 edition of the Mzanzi Super League. He coached cricket at St. John's College in Houghton. So, with no disrespect to the guy, and if anybody gave me the opportunity of coaching the Proteus, of course I would take that opportunity. But does he have the knowledge and the know-how of being able to coach a international test cricket team? Anyway, that is, of course, a discussion for another day and not for me to make uh, any assumptions on his ability. But let's have a listen to that press conference today at the end of the day's play with Justin Sammons, the Proteus batting coach. Um, let, let's just cut to the chase. It's been a tough tour for you guys uh, with the batting. Uh, and there have been lots of theories floated around. Like, so where do you think it's gone wrong to this point? Yeah, I think obviously following up from that England series, it was tough. We faced conditions that as a batting group, a lot of the players, probably bar uh, Dean, hadn't experienced before. Um, so, so that that was a, a big learning experience, and obviously confidence was was probably dented a little bit in that. And then we got to the first test, um, which which obviously conditions did favour the bowlers. Um, so, so from a confidence point of view, I think you know naturally the batters would have been hit. Um, and then within the with the last test, you know, an area where we had been improving on as a batting group was sort of the mental errors we were making. And I think we sort of we slipped up in that area, if we're honest, um, in the last test. Um, just too many mental areas where, you know, where we sort of strayed outside of our game plans. Yeah. I guess sort of further on the same thing. I mean, attention in South Africa is now going to switch firmly to T T20 with the launch of the new competition. Um, and well, I guess what, what effect do you think does it have an effect on the first class system and producing test batters, or do you there, do you look at a, a country like? England that has perhaps taken the the best of both with a with, with a county championship and with white ball batting as well. How, how do you how do you go forward when the season is now going to be dominated by that? Yeah, tournament? yeah, I think it's it's a great point and it's very important. Um, there's no substitute for experience, you know, and you can only gain experience by playing. So the more games you play, the better you're going to get, the more lessons you're going to take. Um, so I, I think it is it is. In an important area or focus area um, for us as a country in terms of how we manage to still look after the first-class system and four-day cricket uh, going forward. Um, yeah, obviously, it, it's, it's always going to be a tricky balancing act now. Um, it's the, the way sort of the world is going. Um, but we, we do need to find a way to balance it out. We do need our guys playing, playing as much cricket as possible. Um, yeah, that's, that's the way you get better. So, yeah, I don't know how specifically to answer it, but yeah. the bottom line is we need to play as much cricket as possible. Do you, do 
just going to follow just on that. But then, so how, so how do you do it? I mean, do, do you fear, I remember asking um, Mark Boucher this before, like, do, you, do you fear for the future of Test cricket in South Africa? Or do you think there are ways that you can work within the system? Because some of these guys, if they play every Test for the next two years, they still might not have even played 15 Tests. Mm. Yeah, we've got to think out of the box as a, as a, as a, as a, a board, I suppose, or the DOC. Um, to find ways, there, there has to be ways. We, they, we can't just like resign to the fact and say, "Well, that's it. We're not going to play enough first-class cricket. T20 is going to dominate." We can't. We can't have that mindset. We've got to have a mindset of saying, "We've got to find a way," you know. And how and how we go about that? Well, that's up for, up to the decision makers to to do, obviously. Um, but I believe it is key. It's key for us. We have to play more more four-day or first-class cricket. Um, yeah. You know, how they balance that? Obviously, that's. That's that's up to decision makers to do. Yeah. Kyle has been your batting success on this tour of a couple of half centuries. What's been the key to him being able to get some runs in these conditions? Given he was quite inexperienced when he came here. Yeah, I think I think the growth within his game has been tremendous. From um, uh, last year, this time against India, that's when he came into the to the side on a more permanent basis. When when Quinny. Um, called it a day. Um, he played the second test in Joburg and then Cape Town. And his growth has been tremendous, both from a technical point of view um, and, and obviously mentally. Um, I think he's, he's figured out in his own way um, how to play at his tempo. So I think his success is, it lies very much in him being able to play to his tempo and his rhythm. And I think that's what he's done well. Whenever he's played, he's stuck to the tempo that allows him to be successful. Um, obviously, you know, every batter is different. They've got their strengths and weaknesses, and he'll continue to, to work on, on his. Um, but I think that, for me, is, 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 is key. And also, along with that, um, I think he's clear in terms of his identity as a cricketer. He understands who he is and how he's going to go about making runs. Um, you know, I think, I think that is a big part uh, in batting, uh, having a clear identity. Um, for example, if you see Dean bat, you see the same. You know what you're getting. You see the same thing day in day out. And you would see you would say the same about Cullis or um, Graham Smith or whoever it is. They had a clear identity in terms of who they are as a cricketer. And I think he does have that. I think that goes a long way in terms of his success. Yeah. Just finding Dean um, probably has another tour is after. What do you put that down to? Is it just a few unlucky dismissals or is there something going on? Sorry, I didn't catch the. I just Dean uh, yes. Captain. Yes. What you put his form onto it down to? Is it a few unlucky dismissals, or is it something going wrong? Yeah, I mean, you you need a little bit of luck every now and again. He's had a couple what umpire uh, umpires calls. Um, obviously, two two dismissals glove down leg. Um, so you know, it hasn't quite gone his way. Um, he's a fighter. You know, uh, the tour's not over for him yet. We still got a we've still got uh, a big two days ahead of us, and and hopefully he can he can finish on a on a on a positive note. Um, but he's he's trying his best. We back him. We know he's he's key to our batting unit. Um, yeah, sometimes you you do need things to go your way. You know, it's it's a game of fine margins. Yeah. Justin, Justin how do you expect tomorrow to play out? Do you expect Australia to bat for a little bit and then declare, or do you expect South Africa to be batting first thing? I know it's up to them, but what, what would you expect? And, and secondly, um, is it important that your batsmen don't go out just thinking survival? What's that do? Because realistically, it's probably going to win this test in the draw, I guess. Yeah, um, so on the first, the first question, 
Um, I think if Kawaja wasn't on 190-odd, then I would say they'd declare straight away. Um, so it depends on how they, how they see that situation. I'd imagine they might let him go out there and, and try and get to that double and then declare. Um, but again, that's, we're not in their change room, so it's, it's a tough one. But I don't, if they do bat, I think it will be up until that point where he gets to that double and then calls it. Um, but again, they could say, right, team first, and, and we're in straight away. It just depends on, on how they go about that sort of decision. Um, the second part is, is very important. I think, especially when, like we, we spoke about in terms of confidence, you can easily go into that like mindset of, I'm trying to just survive here. You know, and I think that survival mode is, in comparison to still being in, in a positive mindset, that doesn't mean you need to be reckless. Um, you know, obviously, I think what Kouraj has done so well is he stayed in his game plan. He was positive, but he, but he scored within his game plan. I think that's going to be the key for us. We still have that positive mindset. It's not just about survival for us. Um, we've, we've still got this game and then two against the West Indies to finish our season. And we want to we want to take as much confidence going into that West Indies series as we can, um, and then there's two big games there for us to finish strong as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry for sticking with the batting, uh, but as the story nears an end, uh, is it a concern? And you've done a lot of work in grassroots as well that uh, the the top five, uh, okay, leave Dean Elgar aside, the others are in their mid thirties, and you know you don't have like a young twenty year old who makes an impression and you can bank on him for the next tour. Is that a concern at all that there wasn't a 20-year-old knocking the door down and you know, having a decent tour or even being in the squad this time? Yeah, it's, I, I don't think it's fair for me to answer that. Obviously, I'm not, I'm not on the selection panel. So um, what I can say is uh, we do have a, a number of uh, promising youngsters back home who are doing well, you know, and who are knocking on the door, and, that, and that's pleasing to see. Um, yeah, that's that's as I think as much as I can answer around that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, and just on how today panned out, like this, what was the mood like in the dressing room? You know, it's been a tough tour. Uh, were the boys eager to get out there, and or they were like, no, let it drain for Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, obviously it has been a tough tour, but um, yeah, they're still looking forward to the challenge. Like we just spoke about playing, and that's how you improve. You don't improve by sitting in the dressing room on a rainy day. You know, you improve by being out there, whether that's through making mistakes or, or obviously um, um, having a good knock out there. That's the way you're going to grow. And I think that's important for this group is that we do like embrace those challenges, that we do look forward to the challenge because that's what test cricket is about. And that is how you're going to get better. So, yes, it's been a tough tour, but there, there still is that positive sort of, um, you know, like um, approach to it. Yeah. yeah. Touched on a minute ago, the, the balance Australia has to strike between the declaration was being on 195. Just interested in your personal philosophy on on striking the balance between team and you know, individual milestones, given cricket's sort of um, disproportionate focus on mm. individual milestones. Whether you think team first always has to be the way. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, sure. This is a tricky one. Um, I think there can be a number of factors that would maybe help in those decisions as to like where you are in the series or you know how much um, impact does the specific game have maybe on the World Test Championship table in terms of where they're at. Those type of things I think have to come into it. Um, personally I think I think it's always got to, if you've got a team first sort of culture you, you, you're heading in the right direction. Um, 
yeah, so it, it is a tricky one. Um, I think, yeah, like I said, there's probably a number of various scenarios that can determine that decision. Um, yeah, I will, I will, my personal belief is, is team first, yeah. So some very interesting thoughts there from uh, Justin Sammons. Uh, one in particular, of course, about the South African batsmen coming back to South Africa after this series in Australia and uh, the lack of first-class cricket and the lack of games in test cricket for those players going forward. We are going to try and get you some interviews with either an ex-South African cricketer or some other experts in the weeks to come to discuss the situation in South Africa. We hope you've enjoyed tonight's edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. Remember to join us again on Monday when we will review what promises to be a fantastic sporting weekend on another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. As always, be nice to each other.